Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for this day that you have made. We find ourselves in the house of God. This is the gateway to heaven, Father. We're able to listen to your word, be surrounded by your truth, be delivered from anything that holds us back from fulfilling your desire, O God. I just pray, Father God, that your word would be used as a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, that we might, Father God, extend ourselves in the direction of your purpose, Lord, and see your glory. Father, we pray that your word would be a good seed planted in good hearts that will bring forth good fruit, a harvest that glorifies you upon the earth, O God. Transform our thoughts and our minds so that we might serve you and glorify you. To you be the glory and the honor always, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, and amen. You know that as we heard about this scenario of last week here in Miami, uh, a local bridge would be built to help the, the students from the FIU, Florida International University, cross over a major thoroughfare there on 8th Street, uh, so many cars go by there. Even if you have streetlights in an intersection, it's still dangerous. So they decided that they would build this crosswalk that would go over the two, uh, the four-lane highway there so that the children that live in the dormitories on the other side of campus could come across night and day, 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning and not have any issues. Uh, one young girl got run over last year as she was crossing that street. So it was a, quite a celebration when they had finalized this, this building, uh, this bridge that was a crosswalk. It cost millions of dollars, and they would uh, open it up and dedicate it a Saturday before the Thursday when it collapsed. So it was, it was open Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, four days before the fifth day came, and this thing cracked and came apart and fell. And, and I, I, I was a little bit upset because I was saying in modern days with the engineering technology we have, with all of the stuff that goes into building anything. I, I built my house, uh, Louis Rodriguez there at the county made sure that the gusting Air Force winds of hurricanes in Florida would not touch my house. So how much more? And so when they finished building this thing, they said no hurricane will knock it down. It would withstand the worst of the climate in South. It was, it was to the praise of the accomplishment. And, and so famous last words, this bridge will never come down. And only a couple days later, it was crashing. And so a lot of us start, you know, I don't, I don't know of a more curious animal than the human being. Uh, we, we, our head, instead of being filled with answers, is filled with questions. As I was talking to, to Bill Wilson, he's going to turn 70 years now, and he continues to ask the question, why did my mom leave me? It just doesn't fit in his head. And so he'll start talking about it, and he'll break down and start weeping in, in a manner that you can see the emotion is raw. He, he suffers that reality day in, day out. And so all of us at one time or another are faced with these hardship and calamity issues. And we're mesmerized by them. And when I heard about the bridge falling, I started thinking about all the lack of integrity in the engineering process. Did they cut corners? 
Did they not follow the game plan? Did they not follow the, 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 the blueprint? And so here it is. We start questioning these things. And in Bible times, things were falling down also. And people were stuck in the collapse also. And so we go to the Bible to understand modern expressions of these hardships. Uh, one of the men was talking about losing his daughter to this collapsed bridge, 18-year-old. And he, 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 was, he was like, you know, you have to be like, is this really happening to me? Did I, did I really lose my daughter? So if you go to Luke chapter 13, in verse 1, you have an episode in the Bible times. This is Jesus' times, and people are going through the same wonderings. There were present at the season. In this particular time, some who told Jesus, hey, did you find out that some Galileans, some people from your hometown, Pilate had caused them to be sacrificed and their blood was mingled with his sacrifices. These were, these were pagan uh, men who had pagan gods and so they thought it uh, incredible to kill these people and mix them in with the sacrifice of animals. And, and Jesus is, they're pretty much saying, why does this injustice occur? You, you, you come up with why they would be bringing up this scenario. Usually when somebody is talking to me about something negative, they'll pile it up. And they have all these war stories. Uh, in fact, Bill Wilson, when he was sharing there at the retreat, he started telling all his life stories and everywhere he's been. Six months ago, he was in Syria. And a sniper shot him in the back. He goes to Syria to help them with Sunday school in the Middle East. And they, a sniper shoots him. And, and one of his lungs collapsed, and, and so he has all manner of these stories that one is more wicked than the other. When he meets a man in Germany, the man says, um, I've, I've lived a worse life than you. He says, okay, let's bet on it. Put $100 down. So the guy put 100 euros down, he put $100, and he started telling the man the description of his life stories, all the hardships and all the calamities. And at the end, he says, now it's your turn. He goes, you could have my euros. My life hasn't been as bad as yours. So we all have calamity and we have stories. As he was telling his story in, in Texas, a lot, a lot of our young people that think that their life has been tough says, I'm having good. I might have lost my dad, but I still have my mom. I might have lost a family member, but I still have the goodness of God. So a lot of our young people were able to see the light of calamity that turned their frown upside down. I better quit being a sour puss. Quit being a, uh, what's it called, turn that frown upside down. Because you have a lot to be rejoicing and thankful for. And so these men are asking Jesus, yeah, you could give a hand to the Lord. These these guys are saying life ain't fair. These poor innocent people have just gotten killed and their blood was mixed with animal blood and given to foreign gods. Why does God allow that? They must have been some wicked people, right? We all think when something bad happens to somebody, they deserved it. And we were talking about the Samaritan woman on Wednesday. Everybody gives her the hard shake on life because she had five husbands, and now she has number six. And everybody says, she's a, she's a psycho. She's not a psycho. Life didn't deal her some good cards. 
Her first husband might have died working in the harvest, working in the animals. Her second husband was an older man and might have died of old age, so now she's a widow. Left her a lot of money. And so we don't know the particulars behind people's life, and we're always judging what happens to them because we have a sense of justice. They might have deserved what they got. Those people that died on this bridge, they must have, maybe it was God that did it. And so that's our sense of understanding, and they were probably bad people. And guess what? The opposite might be true. And look what it says here in verse 2, when they come up and tell Jesus, why did these people die like that? Jesus answered and said to them, he goes straight to the source, do you suppose that these Galileans were worse than all other Galileans? Do you suppose that these people who died are worse than everybody else who's in Miami? And Jesus is going to answer that question, because they suffered such things? And then he says in verse 3, or that, uh, I, I tell you, unless you repent, unless you line up your life right with God, you will all likewise perish. Verse 4, there's an end to all men. Or, this is what Jesus says, those 18 people whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them. What do you do in Jesus' day? We're saying in modern times this shouldn't happen, but it's been happening for the last 2,000 years. There's been calamity and hardships. This tower fell and killed 18 people. Do you think that they were worse sinners than all the other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? Do you think that when bad things happen, it's because people deserve it? He says no, verse 5. That's not the case. That's not how you should see it. I tell you, no. They're not worse than anybody else. They didn't deserve a justice that was out of. It could have been any single one of us that were subject to the hardships and calamity of this life. Unless you repent, you also will perish. It's super powerful that, that, that we are all on the same playing field. And our curiosity leads us to wonder. We, we have our drummer who's been part of our church since we, I was a youth pastor. So five years as a youth pastor and now 20 years as his senior pastor. And he's always been faithful at the drums. And his stepfather murders his mom. Shoots her in the head, shoots her in the heart. And, and Javi is 19 years old. And you're like, how could a young man go through the murder of his mom. And, and, and the day that, that we went to the funeral, everybody at the funeral, he's an only son. That was his mom. That's who his dad left. Has another family. But his mom with wisdom, she, she gets into a relationship that's unhealthy. He shoots her in the heart. He shoots her in the head. He escapes. And now ha Javier is 19 years old and has to question God. Why did you allow this? And if he's not careful, the devil will answer that question. And so they bring him to my house because that's the only person who had a personal tie with him, his youth pastor. And when he comes to my house, I go, what am I going to tell Javi about his mom being murdered, coming out? Look, look how it was. He was at Miami-Dade in Hialeah campus. And he would go to school from 9 to 5. His mom would work from 9 to 5 because she supported the family. She was a single mom. And so at 5 o'clock when Javi was coming out of class, 
His mom would come in at 6, so they would always talk in the parking lot. And then she would go to night school, and Javi would go and, and, and work and do his chores. And so that day he comes out, he sees all the cops, he sees all the yellow tapes, and he says, I'm just going to get in my car and leave, because I cannot believe that this would have been my mom. So he starts driving away, and something tells him to stop. He stops his car, and he starts running back, and he sees his mom murdered. He sees his mom on the floor, covered with a yellow cloth. And so at that point, you start saying, where is God? And why did this happen? And so when he came to my house, I said, Javi, I, I said, Lord, I can't talk to Javier. How are you going to talk to somebody to explain why their mother just got murdered? So the only thing God says, and, and I thought, I said, listen, place your confidence on the sovereignty of God. The word sovereignty means sovereign, means put yourself, let God be the maximum authority to allow whatever he knows and thinks. Let that be the case. And do not question his sovereignty. Do not allow the devil to answer that question of why this happened. Just trust God. And so that's what Javier did. He would subsequently marry his high school sweetheart, uh, uh, Francis. They would have four girls. Now he has five women in his life. The Lord took one woman and gave him five. Amen. And then he has no reason to have uh, redheads. Two of his girls, his mom's favorite hair color was redhead. So two of his girls are red, red, red. They're corn tops, carrot tops. They're precious, they're beautiful. And so how does one man that goes to such travesty able to support the emotional frailties of five women? You know why? Because he placed his trust in God. In the midst of calamity and hardship, he made God his strength. He didn't question God. It would have been his destruction because the devil will come and say, come on, put your head on my shoulder and let's indict God. Let's question his integrity. Why he says he protects us and then he doesn't. And so Jesus is saying the same thing to these people. This is not because they were wicked. This was not because they were worse sinners. This calamity and travesty and hardship happens to all people. Any generation that has these things happen to them, it affects the next generation if you're not careful. We grew up being terrified of falling bridges. I don't know if you used to pay London bridges falling down. What a horrible song. <laughs> Why were we holding hands and London bridges falling down, falling? I guess we would go like this, right? And then it would say... Um, Take the key and lock her up and we shake that person, to, you know. Why were we traumatized by falling bridges? Something must have happened in England that people were traumatized. And then the next generation sings songs about the calamity. There's a song we're going to sing soon. And it talks about no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow. In Revelations 21 verse 3, we see a scene in heaven. I heard a loud voice. And this voice came from the throne of God saying, see, this is the tabernacle of God and it is come amongst men. We have a dwelling place with God. He will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Verse four says, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There's going to be a place where these things that are normal to us, 
that is our everyday reality. If you live in Dade County and drive, you're a miracle. You're a miracle to be alive day after day. Four years ago, we would be watching the Super Bowl. It would be halftime, and all of a sudden, we get a phone call. Your dad was taking a left. One of the girls that was in our house watching the game. Her dad was taking a left turn on 7th Street and 27th Avenue. And he must have not judged too correctly the time frame he had to take a left. And all of a sudden, his car would come and crush the passenger side. And the woman would die. And so this little, not little girl, but a young girl gets a phone call. Her mom dies. In, in just a Sunday, of Super Bowl Sunday, uh, after the second quarter, in, in one phone call, her mom is gone. To no longer be remembered. We have the Gill family here. Their mom and dad go out one night with their older brother. They go to celebrate his graduation from FIU, from, from business school. And on the way back, a horrible accident. And mom, dad, older brother, and fiance die in an instant. And you say, and in two blocks from their house, not even in a, in a busy thoroughfare. And three orphans are left, George, Chavelin, Isabel, and, and Melissa. And you say, why did God do this? Forget about that situation. Press into God. Don't allow this thing to tie your brain in a knot because the devil will destroy you. Bitterness, resentful, isolation, distancing yourself from God is the devil's game plan. So this family was wise, and they ran to the house of God. The Bible says that the, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. And we've seen this family just blossom and flourish and have joy, peace in the midst of the most horrific nightmare. The most horrific nightmare. And George always threatens me for the day that he's going to come up here and share that story. Come here, sir. The story of being 19 years old and being a punk and, and playing little hobbies and little games. And in one second, he has to become the father of two orphans. And he has the champion. He doesn't have time to be a wimp and a sissy. He has to man up. And lead us out. I don't know what you guys did, but I know the first year you ran to God. I know the first year you didn't, but these guys, they moved all their high school friends into the house. That's what I would do too. Mom and dad are not here no more. Let's, let's make this an animal house. So for a whole year, they would party. And they, they were like, life sucks, so let's live it up. But then they were about to lose Mel. The nine-year-old, who the eight-year-old. Or six, what was it? How old were you, Mel? Six. Six years old. So somebody puts a call into the HRS. There's a little girl living in an animal house with a lot of high school crazy nuts. And they got scared. They're going to take the little girl away. So they ran to the house of God. And they made it their refuge. Amen. Today's the day. Today's the day. <clears throat> it's funny because in the morning... I thought I was going to have to share on the retreat. <laughs> Little did I know I was going to have to share about this. Um, yeah, um, so like he was saying, it was um, a Friday night that our parents had, you have me worked up over there. I was already, I got some I was already in tears. Yeah, I, um, our parents had um, left on a Friday night 
to go out to eat with our older brother and his uh, girlfriend. Like he said, they were um, celebrating um, graduation from FIU that he was going, I think, into law school. And um, from from one second to to another that same night, unexpectedly, um, um, they didn't return. And that day, I was supposed to. That day I was supposed to go out. That day, um, think, um, I was like uh, 19 years old. So picture 19 years old. You're in the world. So what are you gonna do? You're out there. You're gonna go hang out with your friends. We we're supposed to go to the beach um, that day. But when I'm driving home, um, I see like a, like I see like a cloud of smoke in the air. And when I look, I concentrate on it. And I go, hey, let's go over there and let's go check out that. There's an accident over there. And I'm not nobody to go and go see accidents and go and all that, but something told me to let go over there. So I go and I get off the car, and and I and I see the ambulance is similar to like what Javi saw. I happen to uh, be there too, so I'm just looking and I still don't know what's going on, but it's in my head. I'm like, could it be um, that the the car of the accident? I saw the rim. And it looked familiar to me, and I'm looking at it, and I'm telling my friend, man, that, that rim looks familiar. Um, he's like, no, no, don't worry about it. Let's, let, let's get out of here. Let's go. And, I'm, and, and then right there, when I'm concentrating, the police and everybody are like moving. All the firefighters are telling us to get out because they got to close the scene. So I get in the car, and I leave. And I go, no, it's all in my head. Let's go. We're, we're out of here. So I go home, um, and then I I'm, I'm start calling everybody one by one, the phones, but nobody picks up. And I'm, so, and, and I'm still in my head to, to let's go, we've got to go to the beach, but I'm not going to go until somebody picks up that phone. But nobody would pick up that phone and something, you know, you're like, man, I don't want to leave until I get a hello at least. So I um, kept calling for a while. Uh, I went to, to Dolphin Mall, which they were eating in a restaurant there, and I drove the whole parking lot looking for the car, didn't find it, went back home, went to the scene again. Um, I asked, they asked me, um, what is it, who are you looking for? Because we can't give you any information because we don't really know who's in the car, we don't know anything. And I kind of described right quick what, um, that I was looking for, you know, my family, that they hadn't picked up the phone. And he, they go to me, pull over to the side and, and you're gonna have a detective come talk to you. So I'm like, all right, I go, I pull over to the side, I'm telling my friend, man, why is, why is he telling me that detective's coming? Why would a detective um, wanna talk to us? You know what? This is all in my head. I'm still with the thing that this is all in my head. I told the, detec the detective hadn't come. They had, told, they had pulled me there to the side. I go, you know what? This is all in my head. I'll, I'll be right back. So then I get in the car. I leave. And, um, and I call my sister. And I tell them. And she was with a friend of mine. And I go, I go hey, why don't you go by, um, go by the accident scene? Because they had told me to... Um, to, they had told me to, to, to pull over to the side that they were going to tell me something, but I left, you know, and I told them what was going on, but I feel like if it's all in my head, because, you know, what are the chances of that, right? Um, and then he goes, and he goes with her, and then my sister calls me and tells me, hey, um, um, the police is going to follow us to the house. So then uh, when I'm outside, I, like, obviously it all came together. So then I see her coming, and I never forget, I see the the cops following her, and then they just get off the car, and then they, um, they, they, you already know what time it is, you know, when they're coming inside your house. 
So they pretty much told us what was going on. And um, that was the part of the access crazy, you know. Um, they gave us all our parents' stuff in our hands, like, you know, once, once we go up, we ain't taking nothing. And I always see, you know, other stuff that they've left behind. Nothing goes with us. It's one of the things that I tell the kids, like, I was able to share that one day in Sunday school, where, like, my dad's watch and his stuff. And, and I share that testimony of once, once, once we're out of here, anything we have or whatever, everything stays. That's right. And that's, like, living proof right there. But um, f from the same night that that happened, I never forget that I, I grabbed my sister. One of the first things I did, I grabbed the older one, and I told her, hey, I don't know what is going on. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know God's going to take care of us, and he's going to watch over us. <laughs> Our parents had, um, we had been raised up to in church, and we would go to Sunday school, so... When things got really, really tough, when things, when that happened, we knew where to run. It took me a, a while to run. It took, not a while, but it took me a few months, almost a year. It did get really bad, and it did get really ugly in our house, like Pastor was saying. <clears throat> we had a lot of, like, after a while, a lot of parties, a lot of, like, doing really, like, bad things. I had uh, family members that ended up moving in. All their people would be coming out of jail. Hey, what's up? Can we stay over? Hey, yeah, sure, whatever. And little by little, um, it, it, it was getting really, really bad. Um, I had to go to um, deal with attorneys and all that stuff at such a, a young age. It's so uncomfortable. Like, you're dreading to have to go in there and, and, and say your story and everybody giving you their opinion. Do this, do that, don't do this. It's really, really tough because you really don't have anybody around you That's right. to guide you and help you. But... Um, Everybody was telling me to go see, uh, to go get help, go see psychiatrists, go this. But inside my heart, I, I would, I, w I knew that I knew that I had to come to, um, come to, come to the Lord. That that was gonna re restore me, and that's that. That's I, like that. That was in me. That was. Uh, that's what I knew that I had to do. And it's crazy too how God is. The same night that um, I get in the car, uh, my parents get in the car accident. I tell my friend, I'm like, man, I don't know why. But if somebody could be here right now, you know who, who it would be. And, and he guesses, and it was, um, she wasn't my wife at the time, obviously, but it was Stephanie. And, and he guesses, and I go, how the heck did you know that I was going to say that? And it's just God, like, I see it, like, I look now, and it's God, like, lining it up. So he goes and gets her, brings her to my house, and... Um, and, and she starts being helped there from day one. And it's not like if we were together before, it was... Like, a f like it was like a year or something that we weren't together. So she starts helping us. Um, our house, think about it, we had no parents. So it was garbage, lying in garbage, but you eat your food, you leave it there, you're young. She'll be there with a big garbage can. We'll be there throwing, cleaning, helping us do the, the, the cleaning, the, the dishes, the air, just helping us do everything. And um, that would make a good wife. It, yeah. And then it, it got. <laughs> It got really bad, like he was saying. It got to the point that I got a phone call from somebody saying that the thing with Melissa and everything. So I got really scary. Another thing, another scenario that was really, really like bad happened. And um, that day I said, forget it. And and um, we have a family member here that would always bring us the tapes from church, but we never, never listened to them. But one day we decided to uh, show up on a, on a Wednesday when we were in the other church, and we met. Joey was one of the first people we met us, and he invited us to, to, to the Friday youth group. 
And we're like, yeah, we'll be there. And we're like, he doesn't know we're really going to be there. But we showed up, and we never stopped coming. And little by little, they started guiding us, and we started getting peace restored, order restored. Everything in our lives was starting to get good. I ended up putting my life in order. We ended up doing things right. My wife moved, well, my girlfriend at the time moved out of the house because we were living together. Then she came back. We got married. Um, we've been able to uh, be an example for Mel as a married yes, couple. Sir. She's been able to see that. God has blessed us with, uh, with our children that we have. But all these things that have happened has been because of what he was saying. <laughs> that is crazy. Well, the main thing is like when all that stuff happens, you have two options. Like I always think about it. It's like you're either going to come and you're going to run to the house of God and, and like... To go that or go totally opposite. And if I would have never come here, I guarantee you I would not be married right now. I don't know if I'd be getting along probably with my sisters. Who knows, you know? Um, so I thank God for everything he's done in our lives. And if it wasn't for, for God, like, if we would all be super, super lost. Like, you have, there's no other option. No, there's no other way to go. You're just going to go... Um, it's, it's, How old are you there's now? no way. Uh, right now, I'm 35 years old. Wow, you're an old man. Yeah. <laughs> but um, just want to thank God publicly. And for Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, sir. There's no psychiatrist, with all deference to Jules, there's no medical doctor, pharmaceuticals, therapist, nothing could replace what God does in the life of a person that's stricken by calamity and hardship. And God knows. That's why he calls us to come running. That's why he says he's a strong tower. He's a place of refuge. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 22, he says, How long will a fool continue in his foolishness? How long will you continue to understand that, yeah, there's hardships in life. Some people say, I don't believe in God because all these bad things are happening to good people. He says, listen to me. On this side of eternity, that's what it's all about. In this world, you'll have tribulation, Jesus says, but trust me, believe me, I have overcome the world. Let's read that Proverbs 1, He says, how long will the foolish man continue in his folly? That's what God asked. Not, not why people die, but how, how long are you going to hold out for mockers to delight in their mockers and fools hate knowledge, understanding. Verse 23, he says, all day long, I reached out my hands. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I'll pour out my spirit upon you and make you to know my words. I'll give you understanding to everything you're asking. Verse 24. But because I called you and you refused, I stretched out my hand and no one took it. I was there for you to give you understanding and confidence in the midst of hardship and calamity and you ignored me. Verse 26. Because you disdain all my counsel and have none of my rebuke. Now what will take place is when calamity comes... And terror comes. There's no provision for you. Where are you going to run? What are you going to do? And so God has made provision for us at a large degree. Verse 27, he says the words, when your terror comes as a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then you will call upon me, but I'm not going to be there no more because you, you have spent so much time not wanting to be where I wanted you to be that now in the midst of your destruction... 
They will seek me diligently, but not find me. Verse 29. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. It's a, cho- it's a choosing. I, I said it last week. Uh, to, to not believe takes as much energy to believe. To be bitter takes as much energy to then, then to be better. Verse 30. They hated knowledge, did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would not have my counsel. They despised my every rebuke. And this is to the whole world. Verse 31. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own fancies, with their own way of thinking. Verse 32. For the turning of those that are simple will kill them. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. There's a lot of people that will come to the Lord as a result of calamity and hardship. And usually it takes that for us to run. But there's a lot of people that will hold out and run the opposite direction. Whoever listens to me will dwell safely and be secure without fear of evil. So that's the most powerful thing. Uh, we were talking about Winston Churchill. He had gone to battle, and he saw death on every side of himself. He saw calamity. He saw swords. He saw people dying, and he wouldn't die. And he understood, wait a second, the Lord has the day and the hour that I'm going to leave. So that's what made him a strong man in World War II. He wasn't fearful of anything because he had already seen death in the face. So in that regards, today, you got to position yourself in such a way that the devil cannot lie to you, cannot make you turn away from your safe haven. If these families uh, would not have run to the Lord, how were they going to be able to survive what was coming down the pike? I was invited to visit one young lady. Uh, She was a young mom. Her daughter was 16 years old. She had just won prom queen. She was going to Southwest High School. And they called me early in the morning, and at 7 o'clock in the morning, I would show up at her house, and the mom was still dripping in blood. Because the night before, they were going down the turnpike, and their car hit the, the side and flipped over, and the girl would lose her leg and bleed to death in her mom's arms, 16 years old. The little brother was in the car. He didn't die or anything. He brought his sister's leg to the mom and to the sister as she breathed her last. And when I got there at 7 o'clock the next morning, this might have happened at 7 the evening before. So 12 hours later, when I get to the house and the daughter was already put away, gone by the funeral home, the mom dripped in blood, still in the same clothes she had during the accident. She kept on saying these words, why, Lord? Why, Lord? Forgive me, Lord. Why, Lord? Why, Lord? Why, Lord? And, And I was like, why would a mom be talking to God Saying like, why didn't you give me one more chance? How long had been gone that God was speaking to this woman, speaking to this woman, speaking to this woman. She kept on putting it off, putting it off, putting it off until calamity comes. And then she realizes, man, I, I, I didn't listen one too many times. I, I, I stayed away from God one too many times. And so God doesn't want this thing to befall upon anybody. When we wake up in the morning, I, I cover myself and my family with the blood of Jesus. So that anything that happens during the day is his will. And if, God forbid, anything should happen, we have the peace to know it was our time. And so we don't give over-glorified weight to calamity. We know we're in the hands of God. And to be absent here is to be present before the Lord. So I have good news today. Uh, We have more treasure in heaven. Mima passed away the night before last. Uh, The older lady that we talked about last week that I went to visit. She's in heaven. She's rejoicing.
When I went to visit her about 10 days ago, more, maybe less, she says, why do I have to be the first one to go? I go, no, Mima, you're 96. You're not the first one to go. Billy Graham went last week. You're going this week. And probably, I mean, I told her, maybe I leave here and I go before you because we don't know. But we're not going to give any, any weight to calamity. There she is when we went to go visit her. She's a champion. She was able to go to B.E.'s house and, and she died peacefully after singing, after praying. And then the following night she would expire and, and not breathe. The Bible says your last breath, the Lord will determine. That, you know, it'll be your last breath, and God has a game plan. So I, I don't know what you've gone through. I don't know the hardship. But one thing I do know is just like we learned from Bill Wilson, don't live in the past of your calamity. Give that to God. Say, God, I'm going to trust you with what I'm hurt about, what's painful, what's been confusing. I'm going to trust you, but I want to live for your glory. Let's stand this morning and thank God because we had church this morning. We've been in the presence of God's people. We know the word of God. Um, it's super powerful how Jesus warns us and talks to us so confidently, speaking words of, of, of strength. Um, he continually tells us that we're to uh, move in a direction of strength in the midst of the difficulties of this world. To press into God, to, 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 to be able to, to not allow the devil to sidetrack you because of something that actually, it's not going to happen in heaven. In heaven, there's not going to be no calamity and injustice. There's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears. And so uh, the land of Beulah represents that day. And that's, that's where we're headed. We're headed to inherit the land of Beulah. We said world-changing land of Beulah, understanding calamity and hardships no more. And so don't, don't be exposed to anything that God does not want you to experience. Uh, come come in and be safeguarded by his prayers, by his blood, by his presence, by his wisdom. One of the things that the guy said that we learned in Texas, this is an older man. He's from Australia. He says like this. Ready? It was powerful. He says, dumb people learn by mistakes. Because wise people learn by instruction. Isn't that powerful? I wish I would have brought that. I, I, I wish I would have thought of that. I've been saying it in different ways for many years, but he put it in one sentence. Dumb people learn because things happen to them. But wise people learn by hearing God's, he says, by, by living in wisdom and learning. Father, this morning, we, we thank you for the Gill family, for George. We give you thanks for Javier Rodriguez. And so many others that have befallen so many different hardships and calamities, we couldn't even fathom to be in their shoes, Lord. But you were sufficient in all things, Lord. You sustained them in the midst of hardship. We pray for these families that lost loved ones here in Miami, Lord, through that collapse. We don't understand, Lord, times and seasons and all these places, but we might be just like them, like you told those who asked you about the Galileans. Like you told about the 18 who died when the tower collapsed. That we too must align up our lives right with you, O oh God. And just to leave the rest up to God. Leave those things in the hand of God who's a sovereign and providential king. He knows all things about all people and all places. And he's just and righteous. And the devil wants us to have a narrative that there's not, there's not fairness. Or there's an injustice. Or, or this shouldn't have happened. But we believe, Lord, that all things work together for good for those who are called according to your purpose and those who love you.
So I, bless the, I pray that you bless the families that are represented here and those that watch this message over live stream. I pray that each one of us, Lord, that has an opportunity to suffer loss and calamity and hardship, to be a balm, a medicine, to be able to comfort others with the same comfort the Holy Spirit has given us, Lord. Allow us to be wise and to move in the direction of wisdom. Allow us to make you our strong tower and safe haven. Give us the wisdom to run to you as a refuge and a strong castle. We glorify your name, we exalt you, and we thank you for Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, and the house of God says amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.